Hi there, Rob Verkirk here. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the ecological terrain. This is the core of the model that's at the heart of the blueprint for health system sustainability that we've been working on now for more than a decade. That really is a model that we believe is appropriate for building community-based health system sustainability. And that's how we can all function within um, the ecological system within which we react. We, we are complex organi organisms living within very complex systems. So by understanding those interactions and understanding the gene environment, bioenergetic interactions that affect the way in which individual systems and pathways function, as well as our interaction with others and other organisms, um, we can actually improve whole system health. So um, we should also recognize that we all come into this world with a biologically given potential. And um, this is taking some of the terminology out of the Mikirch model from, from Switzerland. Um, and um, in essence, um, what, what it says is that over time, we start to lose some of that potential as we age. But of course, against that, we have personally acquired potential, PAP, that we can work on as we understand the complex interactions within ourselves and between ourselves and the environment and between um, ourselves and other people um, socially, we can actually have a great impact on improving our personally acquired potential. And at this unique time in which people are under extraordinary pressure because of the policies, um, the pandemic, um, and the unusual circumstances in which we, we now live, it's really important to be thinking about how we can optimize health. Um, so the ecological terrain has 12 domains. We're gonna look at each of them briefly in turn, in relation to some of the key um, losses of function that, that we can work on and we can address to improve. Um, and um, what we're going to be doing is focusing particularly on the, the low-hanging fruit, the things that we can do that help us, if you like, instead of using um, biomarkers or biomedical tests to measure function in each of these 12 domains, we're going to be looking at surrogates and proxies for how these particular domains are functioning to see if they're suboptimal and, and think about what we can do to improve their function. So um, first of all, let's look at the, the, the first domain, the genetic and epigenetic background. Um, genetic obviously is to do with our book of life. Epigenetics is the way in which our genes interact with the environment. And during that interaction, there are actually changes that are permanently um, left, markers that are left um, on our genetics that changes the way in which our genes are expressed, which is why um, twins growing up in different um, parts of the world or in different circumstances end up um, having a different phenotype, an outward expression of those genes. Um, so um, a really useful starting point for this is, is looking at um, the particular um, polymorphisms. These are genetic variations that affect our susceptibility to SARS-CoV-2. Um, and um, you know, one of the most important, one of the most well studied is looking at um, ACE1 and ACE2 receptors. You'll recall that ACE2 receptors are, are pretty critical because they are the 
um, that they are what is used by the um, SARS-CoV-2 spike protein to enter the body. So um, uh, we can see that, that people who um, overexpress ACE2 actually have a higher susceptibility. Um, and, um, and also because ACE1 and ACE2 are, are critical to the whole angiotensin system, it's also related to hypertension. So we can do simple genetic tests to look at where we lie on this uh, in terms of these polymorphisms. We've also got um, polymorphisms that might exist in terms of our um, cytokine signaling. Cytokines are the chemical messages that talk to the immune system. And you'll be aware that for people who develop severe COVID-19 disease, they often enter this inflammatory phase in which the we get this um, extreme um, hyperactivity of, of um, cytokines called a cytokine storm. And in fact, there are particular cytokines like uh, interleukin-6, uh, TNF-alpha, um, that might be um, overexpressed in some people. If you know that you have a susceptibility to that, it's really important to, to do what you can to, to manage viral replication at the earliest possible stage. So we know that there are um, drugs, natural origin drugs such as ivermectin that can have a, a huge impact on reducing viral replication. Um, we also know that vitamin D status is really um, important for uh, your overall susceptibility because it uh, really affects both the innate immunity and the cell-mediated immunity. So depending on your polymorphisms in relation to vitamin D receptors or the vitamin D binding protein, you can have increased or reduced susceptibility. It might mean that if you've got increased susceptibility, you need to take um, a lot more vitamin D or spend more time in the sun without um, burning yourself. Um, so um, the second main is the area of glycemic control uh, and metabolic flexibility. Um, metabolic flexibility is really what you want and it's what many people, particularly in industrialized cultures, don't have a lot of. It essentially means that you can switch between um, energy carriers, um, between carbohydrates and fats in particular, as your main um, energy source. Um, of course, the real fuel your body uses is ATP that's made in your mitochondria, the uh, energy producing factories in your cells. We'll look at that in a minute. Um, but um, what many people can't do very well is burn fats because we become very, very dependent on, on carbohydrates. And um, that can be expressed um, while you can measure fasting glucose and, and looking at your postprandial response after a meal. You can also see if you tend towards having sugar crashes. Do you have a big carbohydrate meal, feel fine, and then later on completely lose your energy and you can't go on mid-afternoon until you've had a chocolate bar, for example? Um, that would mean that your um, glycemic response is, is not good and um, you haven't been able to switch to, to fat burning. Um, of course, there are ways in which you can really promote this by um, extending your overnight fast, by doing fasted training, by engaging in intermittent fasting, um, by consuming a very low um, carbohydrate diet, a ketogenic diet. It isn't easy to do. It can take weeks or months to completely keto adapt and get yourself into a state of nutritional ketosis. Um, you can measure your blood ketones um, by 
using ketone sticks in a um, ketone meter. You can get a blood sugar ketone meter that's combined. Um, you, you can also measure um, your ketone bodies in urine by peeing on um, keto sticks. Um, and you can also use an acetone breath uh, monitor. Um, blood measurement, though, is, is really the, the real thing. That's going to be the most accurate way, way of measuring your ketones. And bear in mind, everyone responds differently. So really important to look at how you respond um, to different foods and different lengths of, of fasting. Um, the next system is your GI system, your gastrointestinal system and microbiome. Um, if you look at any traditional system of medicine, it always starts with the gut. Having good gut function is critical. So if you are prone to bloating or getting flatulence or um, heartburn or nausea after eating, you have a problem. Some people think this is normal. It absolutely isn't. Um, it's often because of the fact that you have uh, insufficient diversity of your microbiota, particularly the bacterial colonies in your gut. The communities aren't balanced with the right uh, uh, diversity. Um, and, um, you know, do you have regular bowel movements? Uh, are you intolerant to certain foods? So many of these things we just feel. And, um, and to put them right, for many people, it can require a visit to a nutritional practitioner, functional medicine practitioner to, to get yourself sorted. The, the fourth domain is your mitochondrial function. As I mentioned, these are the energy factories of the body. Um, they are particularly rich in number in healthy skeletal muscle. So if you have lots of lean muscle, you've got lots of mitochondria. You need energy in the form of ATP to run your body, to um, run your immune system in particular if you're during times of infection. If you don't have enough energy, you cannot mount a proper immune response. Um, as we get older, it's one of the reasons that older people become very vulnerable to, you know, infections such as pneumonia. Um, our brain also uses a huge amount of energy on average. It might consume about 20% of all the energy in our body. So it really means you need to be fit in uh, body to be fit in mind as well, as we often heard days gone by. Um, in order to build good volume, healthy, and plenty of mitochondria, we need to engage in what we call mitochondrial biogenesis. We need to produce more mitochondria. And that requires stimulating them, stimulating our bodies, stimulating the um, energy sensing pathways that create more mitochondria like, like mTOR um, and AMPK. And um, one of the best ways of doing that is by short bursts of very intense physical activity. So um, HIIT training, high intensity interval training is a really good thing to do, but you can um, factor it into your normal life. You see a staircase, just run up the staircase as, as hard as you can if your body allows you to. Um, find ways of incorporating, without necessarily putting your gym clothes on, some intense activity into your, your life, assuming your, your health can cope with it. Um, the fifth area is your immune function and inflammatory status. And um, if your body is uh, prone to infections or it takes you um, a long time to recover from an infection, um, if you've got um, 
pain syndrome, myalgia. There, many people have had COVID nineteen who suffer with long COVID with with body pain. That is generally a signal for chronic inflammation. There are also people who've had COVID vaccines who um, have a very similar problem um, of pain syndrome and myalgia. It's one of the common side effects of, of the vaccines. Um, these are all symptoms of chronic inflammation. We have to find ways of dampening that inflammation. Inflammation is a good thing if it's acute and short-lived. It's really destructive and underpins all the major chronic and degenerative diseases if it's allowed to, to be sustained. Um, so there are various markers like um, CRP, high sensitivity CRP that we can measure um, that look at it. But, but some of the symptoms I've just described are, are examples of people who just don't have a, a, a balanced, well-modulated immune system. Obviously, there's a lot of nutrients and botanicals that you can take that provide resources for the immune system as well. Um, closely related to inflammation is oxidative stress. Um, you will have heard of free radicals and uh, radical oxygen species. When Again, we need them, but we need to quench them after they've been used. So we look at the ability to, to dilate um, our arteries, for example, or capillaries, and we use that system all the time. It is what nitric oxide does. It produces a lot of free radicals, but it can immediately be quenched as long as we have a good supply of antioxidants in our bloodstream. So we move into a state of oxidative stress when we can no longer balance those radical oxygen species. Um, and if you like, one of the most gross manifestations of excessive oxidative stress persistent over many years is premature aging. But of course, it's not just aging on the outside, it's also aging on the inside. Um, and, and another symptom can be feeling tired all the time, feeling very um, fatigued, um, having difficulty recovering quickly from um, exercise. Um, after exercise-induced stress. So um, these are all things that, that we need to deal with. And obviously, consuming a diet that is rich in antioxidants, um, taking supplements that are rich in antioxidants, um, being able to increase the amount of uh, glutathione our body produces. It's the universal antioxidant, endogenous antioxidant that our body uses, um, is also pretty key. So you can take um, reduce glutathione as a supplement, or you can take N-acetylcysteine, that's a precursor that um, produces more glutathione in your body. The seventh domain is the neuroendocrine system. This is the super system that really is the integration between the neurological system and the endocrine system, the hormonal system. And there are many ways in which you can tell that there are dysfunctions in this super system. Um, one of them may be uh, mood swings or um, a poor stress tolerance, being right at the edge of your adaptive range so any additional stressor is something you can't cope with. Um, it may also be your, your um, the, the gut-brain microbiome axis can be disrupted. So your the vagus nerve that is the central core part of your autonomic nervous system isn't working properly because you've been essentially in fight and flight, pushing the sympathetic side of your autonomic nervous system too hard, and you haven't been having enough time in the rest and digest side 
um, that is so important for your absorption of your micronutrients and actually um, allowing your system to recover so that you become more tolerant of stress. Um, so these are some of the mechanisms you can use. Um, obviously, in terms of dealing with this, um, uh, having time for yourself, having time for relaxation, doing some of the things that you like to do, um, discovering meaning in your life. You'll see that many of these elements within the different domains that are interrelated. So we're, we're going to be looking at meaning of life in another domain later, but it has a big impact on, on your um, uh, neuroendocrine function. Um, heart rate variability is one of the most sensitive markers. You can actually put a um, an ECG chest strap on just a sports chest strap that, that talks to um, an app such as Alita HRV and you can measure your morning readiness to see if you really should not be having cups of coffee today and whether you need to take it a bit easier. Domain number eight is your circulatory system. Obviously, that's your, your heart and your blood vessels, but it's also your lymphatic system. So it's all the, the lymph nodes, the connecting ducts, the um, lymph vessels, and of course, the organs, the spleen of which is the, the most important. Um, that is part of the whole sort of clear up operation, really important to the immune system as well. And, and having this system working properly um, is really critical. Um, if you notice, for example, you're getting breathless going upstairs, you, you probably have um, some dysfunction in your um, cardiovascular system. If you've got swollen ankles and you've got lymph um, and fluid collecting around your ankles, you've probably got some dysfunction around your lymphatic system. So there, again, are many, many things that you can do involving diet and lifestyle approaches that can address both those. Some of it may need to be guided by a practitioner. Um, the ninth area is your toxic burden and also your biotransformation, the way in which you deal with that toxic burden. Um, the body is very good at dealing with toxins that it produces naturally because that's what the body does. It produces um, waste products. It's also pretty capable of dealing with many exogenous toxins, toxins from the outside world. Um, but for others, you can reach a threshold in which your body can no longer um, biotransform through all the various detoxification pathways, um, the, the, the junk that it's being exposed to both um, internally and out, externally. So you've got to be thinking about um, the food quality that you eat, um, whether there's you know, unnecessary pesticides or heavy metals in your canned fish that you're eating, um, pesticides on your fruit and vegetables. You've got to be thinking about the personal care products that you're putting onto your body that are absorbed very readily to your skin. And of course, central to your capacity to detoxify is, your, is the health of your liver. And if your liver is under stress because you're consuming a lot of alcohol um, and you know, you're not looking after it, um, you, you will not be able to biotransform properly. Um, so um, taking something like milk thistle is really an extraordinary herb, um, using a, a high potency milk thistle product with plenty of silymarin, um, around about 200 milligrams a day um, is, a, is a great thing to do. Um, and also um, taking some um, additional um, glutathione support, either by taking reduced glutathione or NAC, N-acetylcysteine, that helps your body produce more glutathione, um, can also be a really good thing to do. 
So domain number 10 is your structural integrity. And, um, you know, where do you stand there? Literally, how do you stand? What shape is your skeletal structure in, your muscular skeletal system? Um, you know, how are you positioned? Are you stooping? Are you standing straight? Do you have pain in the body? Um, what is your um, body composition in terms of your lean muscle to fat ratio? Um, what can you do to this? Do you need to go and see an osteopath, for example, to help um, improve the, the function of different parts of your musculoskeletal system. Um, uh, and of course, there are some simple tests you can do to, to um, monitor how this is going. Um, interestingly, things like um, your uh, hand grip, if you measure your hand grip in, in both sides, um, or your um, standing long jump test, your ability to do a long jump and be able to support yourself and rebalance um, are well-established tests to, to look at your overall um, structural integrity. We've only got two more domains left. We're at 11 o'clock. 11 is your psychological and cognitive function. Um, this is something that obviously starts declining with age, particularly we don't look after it if we see um, neurodegeneration, which is really a plague in modern society because of the lives that we lead, also because we live a long time, um, but certainly by exposing ourselves to additional toxic burden and eating the wrong foods, we can make things a lot worse than they would be otherwise. But you notice that because of maybe being in a, in a state of anxiety or depression, much more than you think you should be. Um, you may have difficulty concentrating. Um, you may sense a, a loss of memory. And these are simple tests that you can um, conduct on yourself. And there are a range of uh, botanicals and exercises that you can do to, to really help um, function in this, in this area. Last but not least is your psychosocial emotional status. This is really about how you position yourself in relation to others and the outside world. And, you know, one of the most important expressions of this is, is how do you relate to having meaning in your life? As the Japanese say, you know, what is your ikigai? What is the thing that, that makes you jump out of bed in the morning and really make you feel that life is, is worth living? And it doesn't mean necessarily that you have a vision to change the world. It, it may be to do with, with having extraordinary joy looking after an animal or a child or a grandchild. Um, so different for different people. But um, as a lot of the Blue Zone work has shown, it does appear that meaning of life um, is possibly one of the most important factors that, that really drives us into uh, a place of health. Um, but it also means we need to have great relationships. So do we feel loved? Are we able to offer love to, to others? Um, and, and, you know, do you feel like you're part of a tribe? At the moment in this world where life has never been quite so polarised and divided, um, can you feel part of a tribe? And can you actually join bridges to people who actually have a bit more in common than you thought you are. We, ultimately, we, we are all one. Um, and, uh, you know, last but not least, possibly as a factor to, to look at this particular domain, is your state of happiness. There's a lot of research now going on into happiness. And it turns out that happiness is a really complex emotion. A lot of things need to be going right in your life to feel happy. 
and um, you can measure yourself on the um, Pemberton Index, which is a happiness scale, um, to see where you're at. But most of us have a good sense of whether we're in a happy place or not. So that's a whistle-stop tour of the ecological terrain. The great thing is, even if you've got multiple systems or domains that are out of whack, you don't have to find interventions to deal with each one internally because they're all interconnected. This is all part of a system that is related to whole system health. So there are a few things that you need to correct upstream that can have huge consequences downstream on function and therefore your overall health status, your overall resilience and your ability to, to live a long, healthy life uh, and be able to cope with the stresses, be they viruses, be they stressful situations in life that we encounter. So um, I'm just going to very briefly touch on what we think for many people are some of the most important. Um, one is really trying to, to gain metabolic flexibility, trying to ensure that your body can readily burn fats because we live in a world that's become very dependent on simple and particularly refined carbohydrates. And because we eat generally three meals a day and have snacks in between, there is no possibility of your body ever going into nutritional ketosis where we're relying on ketone bodies as our preferred source of fuel. So to do that, we need to engage in intermittent fasting. We need to reduce the amount of carbohydrate. Simple way of doing that is often extending your overnight fast. Um, it can also be by um, after an overnight fast, engaging in exercise um, in a fasted state before you eat. Um, and it can also be through a ketogenic diet or a very low carbohydrate diet coupled with exercise. Um, so um, that will often also involve often increasing your amount of fats. Um, and, and obviously you need to be pretty selective on eating healthy fats. We've got a lot on our website in the area of metabolic flexibility. You can put it into the search term. Um, you can also look at our food for health um, guidelines that, that have a lot of information in this area. Second area would be to, to try and deal, if you have any problem with, with weight around your middle, try and get that under control so your waist to height ratio is less than 0 0.5. Um, and that means, you know, obviously having successfully found a way of burning fat, but also increasing your lean muscle to body fat ratio, something you can measure easily on body composition scales that are now um, really quite affordable. Um, dealing with chronic inflammation and oxidative stress is really critical. These two conditions um, underpin really all the major chronic degenerative diseases. And many people live in a state of permanent chronic systemic inflammation. Um, actually, intermittent fasting is one of the best ways of doing that, coupled with a, a really healthy diet that has plenty of diverse and colorful nutrients. Um, and again, our food for health uh, guidelines are really important to that. Um, supplements can be very, very helpful as well. Um, so having botanical supplements, um, having additional vitamin C, um, vitamin D, um, zinc, selenium um, uh, can be pretty cri critical. So at the very least, you're having a multivitamin mineral product coupled with some additional sources of, of phytonutrients. And berry fruits also could be very good when they're in season. And probably the last area that's really critical for many people is 
really improving your stress tolerance. So when you think of stress tolerance, don't think of stress as the problem. Think about your response to that stress as being a problem if you don't have sufficient adaptive capacity. And that means really getting your autonomic nervous system under control. So your heart rate variability becomes a really useful measure of that. So you can put the chest strap on, measure it on an app um, and look at your um, morning readiness score to determine how you should deal with your day if you really need to take it easier on that day. But make sure that you give yourself enough time when you're eating so you can move to rest and digest mode so you're not staying in fight and flight all the time, which is really um, underlies the um, it's probably the most important way in which people become imbalanced in their autonomic nervous system. So the fascinating thing is by doing these few things, you can create a whole bunch of downstream effects that will sort out your um, microbiota communities in your gut. Um, they'll sort out your vagal tone. Um, they'll sort, sort out um, many issues with, with your cognition. Um, with your mood swings, with your hormone balance, and of course, also your immune system function and your ability to handle an infectious disease, um, as well as deal with, with the unprecedented amount of stress that many people are under at the moment. So um, that is um, the quickest guide to uh, the ecological terrain in the context of COVID that we can give you. Um, there's plenty more information on our website. Um, you can go to our campaign pages to look at the Blueprint for Health System Sustainability, um, the Great Health Reset. Um, you can also look at our Food for Health pages and, of course, go to um, our Adapt, Don't Fight campaign area, the shortcut of which on our website is covidzone.org. So um, given the censorship around at the moment, please share this widely um, to people who you think will benefit from this information. And um, we're gonna have lots more in this area coming in due course, so stay tuned. Thank you.